0: You really need to have your own ethos and values to make your hard leadership decisions against. And when you're young, you don't really know yourself that well. And so one of the things that I've found is like the older I've gotten, I've kind of figured out a bit more about who I am and what I'm about and what I stand for and what upsets me and what I, I won't accept and what I you know, really want to encourage and what I think is most important. And I think like having that foundation more articulated for myself has helped me make decisions in a way where I can feel good about it.
1: Hi, you're listening to the Cast Teacherly podcast. Our mission is to help change the future of work for the teaching workforce. You can find out more by visiting our website castteacherly.io or follow us on Instagram at teamteacherly. In today's episode, Dose of Leadership, we'll be talking to Jeremy Williams principal at manor hall international school about some of the common challenges senior leaders face and get his insights on how best to overcome them thanks for joining us jeremy
0: oh should thank you for inviting me i'm really happy to be here
1: great let's dive right in jeremy could you tell us a little bit about your previous experience and why you decided to become an educator
0: sure simple explanation to that my mom was a teacher so it was kind of just something that I was always surrounded with as a kid. And when I went off to college, I actually planned to be a journalist. I was really still am really into sports and I wanted to be a sports journalist, but the teaching bug got me. And after my freshman year, I switched majors and then the rest is history. I was a teacher, then a vice principal, uh, then a principal, then a superintendent of four schools in Northwest Indiana in America. And then I ended up out here in the UAE.
1: All right. And as a school leader, you probably have a lot of things going on at once. Can you talk to us about your top three priorities this month?
0: Sure. We have an impending inspection, so it's uh, really easy to be focused right now. It's always easy to be focused, but for us, it's really making sure that teaching and learning is on point. And I think like, when you hear that, what that could sound like to someone is you know, a statement about teachers, but really it's a, it's a statement about all of us working as a team or all of us supporting each other and working together to ensure that we're giving the best we can to students. And so we're all in it together and just focusing that our school-wide focus is really built on differentiation right now. So just making sure that we're giving teachers feedback and having teachers observe other teachers, little leaders observe teachers and just kind of um, distributing the, the observation and getting people comfortable to seeing each other teach and give each other feedback.
1: That's great. We'll be talking more about teacher collaboration in a little while, but we want to first ask you about what are some of the challenges that you faced as a school leader that you didn't anticipate on a personal level and on a school level?
0: Oh, that's a great question. I would say on the School level side, I think it's pretty easy to forget what it's like to be a teacher. And I think that remaining empathetic toward your teachers and all the things that they're asked to do and how hard that job is, I think is it's something that can fade. And so I think that's one example of kind of on the school level and on the personal level, it can be extremely isolating work because you know, if you're a vice principal there's another vice principal for you to talk to if there's something going on or you, you know, vent as an example. But when you're in the principal's chair, you know, there's no, you can't really do that. So it can become really isolating. And luckily there's just so many fantastic staff members that I have in the school that I connect with on a personal level. And then in addition, the UAE, is a, it's a really great network of people to collaborate with. And I've just met friends from all over the Emirates who are either, you know, senior leaders in in their school, regardless of curriculum. And and those relationships have helped also.
1: Great. So what kind of questions would you have for other school leaders around specific problems or tensions that, uh, like you mentioned, you're facing?
0: Yeah, I I think that, you know, there are just some leaders that are in my neck of the woods here in Alane. Mr. Roger at Al-Dafra has been a really good friend and someone that I can call up when I need advice and someone who is just willing to help. And Mr. Larry and Lewa and the, the Leewa team, they've been also great partners, also thought partners. But I think like for me personally, kind of learning the inspection process is, you know, the British folks that are here, they've had Ofsted in the UK for a really long time. So this is not their first rodeo. But for Americans, it's a very different process than what you're used to. You know, in the US, typically schools are evaluated simply by how their standardized test scores come out. And you know, with the school evaluation framework in the UAE, that's only one sixth of how a school is evaluated. And uh, it's just a it's it's a pretty big mind shift in learning how to make sure that the great work that the folks in my school are doing gets lifted up and seen. That's like part of my responsibility in learning the inspection process. And I would say that the principals around me we're all on the same inspection cycle. So it's you know, my friends and the great support, and I've learned a lot. from
1: Great. So how would you describe your leadership style? And how has that contributed to your success as a senior leader?
0: I think it's really changed and evolved a lot over time. And I think a lot of it is very situational. But I think that first and foremost, I really, really, really try to focus on building the people up around me and and being supportive. And also, you know, making sure that they know that I'm available to them if there's something they need. I would say that from a stylistic perspective, one of the things that was really hard about becoming a senior leader, as young as I became a senior leader, is you really need to have your own ethos and values to make your hard leadership decisions against. And when you're young, you don't really know yourself that well. And so one of the things that I've found is like the older I've gotten, I've kind of figured out a bit more about who I am and what I'm about and what I stand for and what upsets me and what I I won't accept and what I you know, really want to encourage and what I think is most important, and I think like having that foundation more articulated for myself has helped me make decisions in a way where I can feel good about it because oftentimes there's someone or a constituency of people who are not happy with the decision you make. Even today, I have a high school student who wanted to leave early because we had sports day today. And, you know, was saying, you know, but my mom can call the school and and you can let me go. And I said, no, you know, whether your mom calls the school or not, it could be anyone on the other side of that phone. And I just can't allow you to leave unless your parent physically comes to the school. So he was not happy with that decision. But in the end, you know, I know that that's a decision that needs to be made to ensure that he remains safe. And, you know, so I I think you have to kind of figure out who you are, which takes a long time. And then you also have to get comfortable with knowing that you're not always going to please everyone.
1: What aspects of your approach do you feel teachers respond to most positively?
0: I think I'm very willing to accept responsibility when I'm wrong. And that's something I really try to focus on modeling.
1: What problems do you see new teachers joining your school are facing? Have they come to you with anything?
0: The majority of the teachers that come to our school that are new have never worked in the UAE or another country before. So there's a pretty massive adjustment of life. And the majority of our staff are single. So they're also away from their family. So I think we try to kind of rally as a community pretty early on. You know, those relationships are really critical, both personally and professionally to ensure that everyone's well-being is
1: okay. Yeah, for sure. When you feel like you belong to a community, it helps you to uh, get through a lot of tough situations. Absolutely. So I remember when we visited Manor Hall a few weeks ago, and it was clear that collaboration is a practice in place. How did you foster that collaborative environment in your school? And what strategies would you recommend to other principals?
0: I would say that we haven't always gotten it right on how to structure collaboration, because one of the things is you need to have some level of buy-in before an initiative gets off the ground. And I think in many instances in my past, I've like pushed something because I've wanted it to happen so badly, where now I think like, even with the work that we're doing with Teacherly right now, we have like a cadre of teachers who are already interested in participating and starting smaller and pouring a little bit more water and giving a little, a little bit more sunlight, you know, to help grow things rather than just like, I have this great idea, let's make it happen. I think I've become more intentional in how I manage change and like trying to build kind of like a smaller group of more interested people. So I think there's a level of buy-in before we try something. And I've made a lot of mistakes in terms of like just having flops initiatives that I thought would get off the ground that I either I didn't nurture it along the right way. I didn't need the change the right way. And so you try to take a little bit of learning out of every every failure and you try to fail fast and start over again. So I think that like we've tried to be a little bit more intentional on how we get something going and who we involve.
1: Could you give us an example of an initiative uh, that didn't take off the way you wanted it?
0: Sure. Yeah. I can give you one that didn't work. Uh, yeah, we had really wanted to get a research and development wing happening in our school. Like We wanted to have different stakeholders come together and like basically use the design thinking process to create strong solutions to problems that we were facing. And it was really more of just an attempt to get stakeholders more involved. And I had read a really fantastic book from Dr. Shabby Luthra from Consilience Learning and about her work at the American School of Bombay. And so like I was on fire and I found enough people who were interested in, in making this idea go, but it just wasn't the right time in terms of a couple issues. One, teachers, if we wanted them to be involved, there wasn't enough space for them to actively get involved. Like and they had too much other things going on, too many responsibilities, and not enough time in their schedule to meet to really work intentionally on so, on solving some of these issues. And then the other thing was that we just had other fish to fry per se. We had other issues that were needing to be addressed. And this and this was more of a to get going than a need to get going. So it was a cool idea. And I learned a lot from it. But I think like in the same breath. Just wasn't the right time for us to experiment with something like that. And it, it did not stick.
1: Right. So, uh, just to recap, some of the important things to consider before launching an initiative would be making sure that teachers have time in their schedule, that they're able to manage their workload, they don't feel stressed about it, and they have a proper workspace where they can meet for face to face meetings. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're really space limited in our current school and that's a big part of it. And like, so I think the thing that's interesting is we talk so much about buy-in, but I think that the people were bought in. They wanted to do this. I had enough people really interested. We just weren't set up in a way for it to be successful. One, and two, there were just other issues that were more important and that were higher necessities rather than like, wants or things that we wanted to get going, there were things that needed to be established and needed to get going with where our school was in its life cycle at that time. So I think it was just a it was a good lesson learned from that. And I think that like uh, it's never fun when you fail, but I think if you can try to have the mindset and if you can acknowledge the fact that it failed with your staff and try to ascertain why it failed, I think you can really grow from it and, and learn and get better as a leader as you go.
1: Absolutely. So it's clear that you feel collaboration is a key component of success, like you were mentioning earlier. Could you tell us more about some of the instances where you collaborated with other school leaders on projects or initiatives?
0: Yeah, um, it's a bit more difficult in Alain just because, you know, for us to go visit a school in Dubai or Abu Dhabi, it's a whole day of just driving in both directions. So we've worked with, Al-Dafra has been a great partner with us in terms of inspection preparation. Leewa School has been great. We've been sharing some of the things we've been doing with our secondary programming. They also were sharing some things around inspection. We've been able to work together and share practice. And when I first got here, there were just kind of people who are willing to collaborate and focus on collaboration over competition. And that still permeates the Allian region, I would say really well. The other big thing is, you know, having the ability to communicate via Facebook or Twitter or WhatsApp with other heads and and groups, these things really help disseminate information because many times you can miss an email or you're just not clear on what's going on with some initiative that is a mandate that needs to happen. And so it's nice to have those kind of catch-alls in groups that can help share information and share ideas.
1: Great. As an educator, it's important to continuously learn and grow in your practice. What do you do in terms of professional development to facilitate this?
0: I listen to a lot of podcasts. I like to read. I'm more of, I would say, definitely more of an article reader than a book reader. Like I'm just shorter form content is more of what I like to do. I like to read. What I have also learned is there's a lot that you will see on LinkedIn or on Twitter that you can learn from, but there's also a lot to question. So I think just kind of trying to retweet things a little less and critically analyze things a little more and just a big area of focus for me. And so I would say that there's lots of great people to learn from. And the other thing that I think that like teachers or leaders or anyone, students I talk to about this too, it's like, you know, if there's someone you really respect and you want to learn from them. I have never in my life, save one time, reached out to that person and said, hey, I'd like to learn from you and not have them be interested in sharing their knowledge. And so I think a lot of it is just having, you know, I have very little shame. So for me, it's no issue to reach out to a principal of an outstanding school and say, hey, can I come learn for you for a day? Like I did with Ian College in Talim at Raha, I think it takes that initiative and, and people are generally really willing to teach you and share their knowledge with you. But I think sometimes there's just a lot of intimidation in making that first connection. But like I said, luckily, that for me, that, that I've never had an issue you know, reaching out and introducing myself and, and asking if I could come learn from someone.
1: Absolutely. So it can go a long way if you just take that first step. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, where would you like to see things moving forward for leaders in education?
0: There's very limited professional development for both middle leaders and senior leaders in the UAE. So I know that Lisa Grace Wilson with Teach Middle East leads a really nice event every year, the Middle East School Leadership Conference. That's fantastic. But there's things that are a little more salesy where there are more trade shows happening. And those things are fine. Those are good opportunities to network and see your friends and catch up with them and learn about what they're doing. But it would be really nice to see some more formally established learning groups that people could share ideas in and, and collaborate in. And I think that uh, there there are pockets of it happening, um, and I expect that more of it will happen. But I would say in LA, and it is, is a little harder just because I'm very fortunate that I've met nice people who are willing to share here, because when I first got here, like I said, Dr. Ken from Brighton College was great, but there really wasn't you know, a lot of people that I could, I could work with. And I feel like now there's a nice pocket of people that are, are great. So, and there's great people in Abu Dhabi, too, like Lee uh, the Baglia from Summit, just people that are willing to kind of make that first step in connecting people. And I think that's really helpful for all of
1: us. Absolutely. Thanks so much, uh, Jeremy, uh, for joining us on this podcast. Our mission is to help change the future of work for the teaching workforce. You can find out more by visiting our website uh, at castteacherly.io or follow us on Instagram at teamteacherly.